0: And in the same conversation, I go, yeah, bring it. I want it. Give it to me. This is gonna suck. The last few reps of this is gonna suck. This whole session is gonna suck. It's hot as hell. I can't breathe. This is awesome. Because next week, I'm gonna do something that I couldn't do this week because I got into the suck.
1: Life Podcast, where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Well, we're going somewhere a little bit different today. What if you invested tens of thousands of dollars in coaching seminars and coaching training and even invested in coaching itself? with the original intention of having it be your sole vocation. And maybe after a few years, things really didn't work out quite as you'd originally hoped or planned, and you actually found yourself getting a J-O-B, getting a job. What would you do? Well, maybe you'd have a whole ton of regrets, or maybe you'd be really chuffed and happy about it. Well, let's ask my guest today. It's uh, Mr. Matt Watkins. Hello, Matt. Welcome. Hey,
0: hey, Phil. How's it going?
1: Uh, very well. I'm very happy to see you. after uh, It's been actually a few years. We were just working that out. I think it's about, probably about three years, actually, since we last spoke.
0: It's something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, far too long. So thank you. It's 7 a.m. for you over on the east coast of the U.S., so thank you for taking the time out. Um, so we met at a coaching event in L.A. at the end of 2013 and subsequently went through a bunch of other training together so i want to ask you really what what got you you know interested in coaching as a profession and into that room where we met
0: so i started off this path as a student in undergrad studying earth environmental sciences and i found myself in a geology lab looking at rocks and thinking there is no way in hell I can spend the next 40 years of my life looking at rocks in the middle of a field. I could still see the picture in my head of a flannel shirt and jeans and, like, Timberland boots and thinking, no, 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 no. I am way too much of a people person to spend my entire life in the middle of a field doing environmental studies. This is not going to work. And even if I wanted to, I was so terrible at chemistry that – I couldn't make it happen even if I wanted to. That was just, it was very obvious to me that that career path was not going to work out. And I had always had an interest in what made us tick. And I took an intro to psych class and one thing led to another. And I loved it. I absolutely fell in love with psych. But around December 2010, I was taking an abnormal psych class as part of my curriculum. And I went, yeah. You know, this is great. Some people believe this. Some people work with this, and it works for some. Great, perfect. I, I, I don't buy it. I think there's a lot of holes in the theory, and it's not a place where I can work. Uh, it's just, it's just not of interest to me. And so, in the next semester, I took a course that's a, a one-off. It was a course that was immensely interesting to me. I'd become close with the professor that had decided to run it, and the course was called Mind. And he said we were going to explore all these different applied positive psychology techniques and how to actually change people's minds. And in that class, I was introduced to um, videos of Tony Robbins. I was introduced to videos of Paul McKenna. And I remember sitting there at the desk in that course absolutely awestruck that this was even something that people were doing or that these were changes that were even possible to be made and thinking that's exactly what I want to do. That's the kind of impact I want to have. That's where my interest in psychology can fit, not in remediation but in strength and growth. And so... It dovetailed very nicely into the education I was getting into. I had been, towards the end of that semester, I had gotten accepted into a pioneering mind-body medicine program. It was the first one in the world that was accredited to do master's and PhD programs in mind-body medicine. And so I made the mental side of that my focus throughout the years that I was studying my master's degree. And all the while, I was knee-deep in self-study in NLP and coaching and Robin's Uh, I started doing the Robin certification I went and got certified and licensed as an NLP master practitioner in 2012 I started taking on clients in NLP in 2013 and from about 2010 I had recognized that if I was going to be getting into psych I needed to get into entrepreneurship there's no way I was gonna be able to get a job that was going to pay me what I wanted just with a bachelors in psych. And so that interest led me to reading a lot of books and Amazon being the amazing platform that (laughs) it is recommended me Steve Chandler's work. And so I started reading all of Steve's books and that led me one day to say, Hey, why don't you check this book out? The prosperous coach. Okay, sure, why not? Add that, prime that to me, I'll have it in two days. And I started reading it on a flight to a conference for Food is Medicine in June of 2013. And I was awestruck again at the way that they described being able to build a practice and what was able to be done with it. It was completely counterintuitive to everything else that I had been reading and trying. And it just felt right. So that summer, I saw that there was going to be a conference uh, led by Rich in December 2013, and I signed up for it, and that's where we
1: met. So what was the state of, was there a coaching practice at that point? Were there coaching clients? What was going on?
0: Not, you know nothing that you'd really want to hang your hat on. I had one client that was referred to me by someone that was like, I want to say it was something like $50 an hour or something like that. And we met for a handful of sessions and we did some NLP work and it worked, but it was very readily apparent to me at that point in time that I was losing interest in NLP and working in that sphere I didn't want to be the wizard with the magic stick fixing everyone's problems for them. And it was readily apparent to me, especially after reading that book and seeing the videos of people coaching that had started to see things from that perspective that NLP is a can be a poor way of getting someone to buy into making the changes they need to for themselves, right? They want you to do everything for them, and so they're not—they're not putting a lot of skin in the game to make the changes. And it was re- readily apparent when, oh my, I need to go pick up my daughter here. I need to do this. I need to do that. And there's canceled sessions left and right. And then it just kind of was put off by the wayside, you know. And part of that was just the way I created it, something mm-hmm. that I've seen. I saw while I was trying to build a practice and something I've seen even more clearly now that I'm several years removed from actively trying to do that. And at the same time that I was getting into the prosperous coach, quote unquote, way of building a practice, I had been getting into the three P's. I had read Michael Neal's book. The first time I read it, I thought this is a bunch of junk. There's no techniques. Uh, (laughs) Let me just toss this to the side. And then I... I had a session with a super coach and I went, actually I read the book again. I went, Oh no, wait a minute. I missed something here. And I had a session with a super coach which turned into a several day intensive about a month before that intensive we met at. And I went, Oh no, there's, there's something to all of this. There's something to all of this. There's something to three P's. There's something to this prosperous coach model because he was friends with rich. And, um, he knew how to operate from that perspective of nurturing a client relationship and crafting the relationship and the conversation in a way to get a client's buy-in and also being very clear that he didn't need my business. And it was, it wasn't just, uh, I don't need your business, but I really want it. It was, you know, if you want to spend the money on me, great. I'd love to come and see you. I'd love to work together, but if not, I have other things I can do. And that's something that's never left me. That's That, that impression of when you sit with someone and that's genuine for them is very distinct. Yeah. And it's not just in coaching. That's something I've seen over the last few years. That's not something in coaching. That neediness, whether it's true that your bank account's low, or it's just purely psychological that you need a client or or I want a client or or where you're coming from, that kills deals.
1: (laughs) Dead. So what happened next? What happened next, really? Um, Because we went through, yeah, Steve's uh, ACS. Together, Mm -hmm. and I know you know for a while you worked with a coach as well. After that, I think we'd mentioned it in one of our conversations. So I'm kind of curious. You know, you're really full on. Actually, it's one thing I admire about you really full on and investing down this particular road. So the question is, what happened, man?
0: (laughs) I don't do anything that I don't want to do full out, right? Well, once I step my foot into it, I'm into it, right? And uh, so you're right. Yeah, I mean. After the intensive, I was in, I booked on uh, Michael Neal's Super Coach Academy 2014. We were in Steve Chandler's ACS. We were were in the founding group of that. Um, So it was a very, and I was still working on my master's thesis. So, I mean, it was a very busy seven or eight months for me, right? Um, I was traveling probably every other week for that eight months to do something and
1: so let me just i just want to just emphasize that point you're doing you're doing steve chandler's acs you're doing michael neal super coach academy and you're finishing your masters and doing some traveling all at the same time
0: yeah Yeah. okay yeah (laughs) and working on building a practice
1: (laughs) and working on building a practice yeah okay
0: yeah (laughs) and maintaining a long distance relationship yeah (laughs) uh You learn pretty quickly you can't fight battles on all fronts. (laughs) No matter your good intentions or not. um, There is something to be said about focus, I think. Anyway. Yeah. Here's the thing, Phil. I, I would not take back what I did for anything because of the changes it made for me. But... I wanted it all to be easy. And more than I wanted it to be easy, I wanted it to feel pleasant 100% of the time. That was the goal. I didn't want to feel any discomfort. If there was a place where I felt discomfort, I wanted to find a way around it. I wanted to find a way to twist my thinking or, or, or just see my perspective in a way that it was just, It was like taking a warm bath, 100% of the time without any discomfort initially, period. If I couldn't hit that, I wasn't going to do it because theoretically, that's how it should work, right? And so I spent so much time reading and reading and reading and being coached and doing this and doing that and everything except the uncomfortable stuff. And the last three years of removing myself from it by getting a job, by necessity getting a job, but by getting a job, has been like detoxing. And the more, the deeper I've gotten into my current path with the job I'm in, and the deeper I've gotten into other things I've been doing, uh, power lifting and, and exercise and, and other study the more I've seen that you know, discomfort kind of is the point. Hmm. And what I was trying to do was asinine. And it didn't <laughs> exactly get me the results I would have liked.
1: Yeah. So I'm wondering what, when, was, when is it becoming a, apparent to you that there was a a decision perhaps to be made here that, um, you know, th- th- this isn't working out, um, in the way I'd, i originally hoped. Um, I need to start looking at getting, at getting a job. What, what, what was that like?
0: It was around summer 2014. Uh, I had seen the bank account dwindling and, you know, seeing the writing on the wall that either it was put up or shut up. Or it was be, you're going to have to get a job. There's no doubt about it. But the thing is, I had always been able to find a way. Hmm. You know, some, something had always happened. You know, I, I, there there had always been some kind of marker on the road that said, "Okay, no, you know what? Things are working out," or, or something fell from the sky and it was like, "Okay, great." You know, put another quarter in the machine and play again. Great. Except. it it started getting more and more desperate. And then it happened and it was okay. The the runway ran out and it was, it was not fun to say the least. It was, it was hell. Um, It was a mess. I'm thankful for the, I can't say enough for the people that I'm so close to in my life that helped me get through that time. Um, it was, okay, it was how I'd have to imagine it was like for an addict hitting rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting the job and finally getting the job that I got, and I got into cell phone sales. And I remember sitting there the first few days especially but it was it was the first few weeks and thinking about the places I'd been who I'd been in community with who I'd called my peers the experiences I had just been having months before and now I found myself sitting in this little tiny store behind a desk where I had started when I was working for Best Buy Four years before, and I told myself I was never going to do it again. And there I was doing it again. And it felt like I was in prison. It truly felt like I got thrown in the slammer. And still, there was a nugget in the back of my head thinking, you know what? This This might be the best thing that could be happening to me right now. I might have been putting the cart before the horse with everything i've been trying to be trying to do and this might be the best thing to happen
1: i'm curious was it at that stage was it like did you have this intention okay i will at some point get back into uh, building a coaching practice i mean yeah was that the intention then
0: man i was like a punch drunk boxer trying to get back off the mat and still keep the fight going okay at least for the first probably four to six months. It was just it's like you watch a fight and you see a guy get hit with a great haymaker. They have heart, they get up, but you could see their legs aren't underneath them. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the first four to six months of employment for me. Just flailing and trying to get back out of that and back into where I was. And it was probably that's probably around January, February, March-ish, 2015, that I finally accepted the reality of the situation. And like I said, almost felt like I started detoxing. So I went, whoa, how I've been going about this for the last few years was insanity was not going to work I was coming from a place of pure me 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 and then I started to see it all around me in the community and went oh boy um, I'm not the only one that's here even if even if other people aren't showing it publicly I know I'm not the only one and you start seeing things with the only way I could describe it is a clearer vision a cleaner vision And then I started thinking about what I had learned from Steve. I started thinking back to all those, uh, uh, reading back through the ACS notes and thinking, oh, man, I didn't pay any attention to this, or I wrote this off, or I didn't do this, or I didn't think about this. And I I missed a lot of the point of that whole program Mm -hmm. because of what I wanted to get.
1: And it's almost like, you know, you said you you uh, during that time that, that that during all that training trying to avoid discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience really is when we try and avoid discomfort, it's like, well, we can't really avoid it. It's like we defer it and it often all comes and visits us visits us all in one go. <laughs>
0: mm, it certainly did. I uh I got my payback. All right. <laughs> You could that that's 100% for sure I got my payback.
1: Okay. So what's what's going on for you now then, Matt? What what what's going on there?
0: So after about 7 months of the cell phone job, I got into a job that I had wanted and I was hoping to work with from the start with a a more holistically focused gym. And thrilled that I got the job. And within 5 months I left it. It was awful. and I started to learn that yeah I'm not the most traditionally employable I am very entrepreneurially minded self started I like to be able to take an idea and run with it and I couldn't do that at the first two places that I had worked but I needed money, I needed the income. And so, by pure luck, I responded to an ad by a company that was looking was looking for an administrative assistant. Um, and I responded to them, I went over to the, I think it was probably the same night or the next day that I responded to the initial job ad. I was in for the interview, talked with the owner, and it was very readily apparent that this was going to be a much better fit for me than anything else I had been doing for a long time. Uh, very, it's a company that's been folk that that very much values people that can take things on their own and run with it, and appreciates entrepreneurial vision, and says, "Okay, you have an issue, you go handle it." And I've been there for almost two years now, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I'm building a business, and. I might not, it, it might not be called coaching, and my title is not coach, it's chief strategy officer, but in that, 70% of my day, or my time, is employing the same skills that I learned throughout my time learning how to be a coach.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering what in particular might might come to mind out of that, So I just, you said that, I was wondering, yeah, what have you, what out of all of that training you've done are you using?
0: Well, at least for me, it, again, it's not about techniques. I don't do, I don't do quote unquote NLP anymore. I know it shows up in the way I talk, the way I I write, but it's where I come from. It's how I see things. It's just, just who I am now. That's where all the coaching, training, training had its impact. Um, So it's, it's an ability to, and an immense comfort in being able to go, guys, let's stop. Let's slow down. Let's really take this apart piece by piece and really examine each piece of it to make sure that this is in alignment with the direction that we want to go. And if it's not, how best can we be doing that? So, the abilities to ask questions and to sit in sometimes uncomfortable silence and to be willing to say things that aren't popular or aren't things that want to be heard but saying them anyway. That's invaluable. Yeah, it just since since we started talking about doing this podcast I've been kind of thinking a little bit about all this and the real value at least how i'm seeing it in this very moment in what we do is not in techniques that are learned or skills or or deep listening or if you want to go with the the traditional coaching programs like the the level two listening or the level three listening or or all this stuff look i mean you want to put those labels on it fine the real value that I've seen of what I do right now in my job and what I have done as a coach and what I will do moving forward is just reminding people to slow down and see simple truths that they lose sight of. I mean, we don't need to add things to make people work well. We need to get them out of their own way. It's simple as that. And usually it's just, it's going getting them to slow down enough to see the simple truths that are always there anyway in action
1: and and you touched on us having you know um we exchanged a few messages about doing this conversation um and one of the things you said uh was that you were so happy that things have worked out um in the way that they have so why is that
0: life has a way of teaching you the lessons you want, you need to learn. And I, uh, I was just talking with my fiance, my student be wife about this the other day that life has a way of pinging back and forth with you. It's not like you're ending up at some destination that's written somewhere. And it's not like you're completely in control either. But I think if you have an intention, there's a pinging back and forth that happens. If you key, if, if that's kind of what you keep Focused on right, and so I know I still want to be in private practice. I still want to be taking on clients. I know the impact that I want to have, and I know that I want to be working in small business. Uh, I can tell you right now that when I started, it was Paul McKenna and Tony Robbins as a big, like the big aspirational figures for me. Right now, Marcus Lemonis and John Taffer are huge inspirations for me. And seeing the impact they have on small businesses is just awe-inspiring, and they're not even traditionally skilled. And I love, I love. That's what I found is that, okay, look, I needed to learn how to sell. I needed to learn how to comfort, get comfortable selling. I needed to learn how to follow up with people. I needed to learn how to prospect. Getting these jobs, being forced into these jobs has put a salve on the places that I was bleeding from in the first go around. It's it's helped me get through the initial discomfort of everything that I didn't want to get this, you know, uncomfortable with. I've been there and done that at this point. Um to the point where was it two months ago, three months ago, I was meeting and having sales conversations with one of the largest retailers on the planet. No nerves, nothing. Sat down, met with the buyers, had a conversation, no big deal. Three years ago, I couldn't even send an email to someone who was remotely interested in coaching without going over it 10,000 times. Mm I was needy. And I wanted the money. Look, I, I, I've written a blog post about it. It's probably the last one I posted as of this, this date. It was all about me, Phil. Yeah. It wasn't about my clients. I and, I and I write in that. Look, it's it's shitty to feel that way and to have to admit that. I don't like that. That's where I was coming from. But the allure of six-figure clients and Easy Street. Oh, man, I could be making six figures with, like, four clients and it's just a matter of asking for it. Well, hell, that sounds good to me. Let me try that. And it was all about me. Who could I get that from? Who's going to give it to me? And it was not at all about the impact that I could have or what I could do for them. What, where are they struggling in their life? What aren't they seeing? What are they leaving on the table? And how can I be a conduit to help them get out of, that, get out of their own way? Mm-hmm. And when I saw that that's what had been going on, I broke down in tears. I was shaking. It it, it, <laughs> it felt trashy, and you know it still does. Yeah, yeah. But, but... you know, those are the lessons you learn. At least to me, those are the lessons I learn from having been removed from it. You know, I, I have no need for clients right now. I have a job that I I truly enjoy. It's the first job that I can think of that I've actually not woken up every morning and went, oh, shit, I have work. (laughs) I'm going to work every day and having an impact. And I'm learning something in the process. It's great.
1: You know, so there's... I speak to a lot of coaches, you can imagine, certainly not just because I do this podcast, but because, you know, the connections I have, like coaching communities and stuff. Although I don't generally coach coaches um however there's this picture i'm gonna hold up for you matt and maybe i'll take a picture of this and include a link in the show notes but anyway it's a very basic graph okay which um is this the x-axis That is the X axis. So along the bottom, there's an axis of where my focus is. And on the left-hand side of the axis is me. And on the far right-hand side of the axis is others. And then on the Y axis at the bottom, um, this is wealth. And I specifically said wealth rather than just um, dollar, if you like, although there are dollars mentioned. But there's wealth in other ways, of course. And, of course, right at the bottom, so in the bottom corner, is zero. And then at the top, yeah, lots of dollar. And I, I've noticed that when my focus is to the left here on me, uh, the dollar is generally at zero. And the kind of conversations and language I hear are, you know, who am I, who do I need to be, what should I do? And we're generally talking about classrooms and training and I, 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 me. Whereas at the other end of the scale, where my focus moves up, the, up to the right-hand side, and my focus and indeed my curiosity is on others um yeah the wealth just tends to just as a byproduct of that naturally rise um with you know what i've called the three c's connection curiosity and conversations now we hear this we do hear this what do you think i mean is what how could um coaching to what could coaching trainers what what i guess how would you like to see the profession change so that people really got that perhaps much earlier or or, or maybe it is just a natural thing that occurs within us that we we generally have this natural self-obsession <laughs>
0: here's the thing I don't think it's just an issue with the coaching profession. I think it's, it's business as a whole. Okay. Yeah. Um, at least from what I've seen, the businesses and the business owners that operate from the left side, like you talk about are generally in the same place that the coaches that operate from the same side or or that operate from that side are earning. Right. It's, it's not, I don't know that it's just an issue with the coaching profession. I think it's a problem with people that want to get into small business or business itself and that they want to get in it for that reason, right? I think that if you get into the business thinking about the cash, you might have a bad time. Hmm. And it's not to say that it's 100% of the time, yeah, there are people out there that just focus on the cash, And probably have a lot of success but I'd say that you're right that those same people that focus on the cash are also still just as focused if not more focused on the product they're making and how it's impacting someone's life right if you're not impacting someone's life in a way that's meaningful you're not going to get a sale you're no matter what it is right Uh, the coffee I had this morning impacted my life, that's why I bought it. I didn't just buy it because the can looked good, and even if the can looked good, and that's why I bought it, right? Oh. It's still adding something to my life. And it's not about Cafe Bustello's executives and how they feel. Yeah. Now, the the other side of that, or the other part of that, is that in the three years or so that I've been out of the community or out of the practice building community, I'm still not completely out of it. I'm still, I'm more of an observer rather than a participant. And I, I don't know that it's gotten any better than it was when I started. I think it might be actually worse with people thinking that they, they're just going to get into this profession and it's going to be easy street. You know, that, that just because they read the prosperous coach that things are going to be all right for them or that just because they go to a conference, things are, things are going to work themselves out. Or even just because they, they get, they actually invest in coaching training that things are going to work out and that they're going to be able to make a practice. No, that that is asinine. It, it, there is so much internal work to be done, and maybe not for everyone, right? Maybe there are some people that it's just like the Matrix. They go, they, they go to this conference, they go, I know Kung Fu, and then they're off to the races. <laughs> But I suspect that for the vast majority of people that get into this, they don't realize just how they don't realize the vast scope of what they don't know. Hmm. And that coupled with the focus on what they want to get out of it. Man, that's 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 a recipe for a bad time.
1: So it feels like there might be an obvious answer to this. I'm gonna ask it anyway. You've said, you know, you wouldn't change any of it. I, I whilst I I get the sentiment of that, I catch myself saying the same thing. You know, probably these last uh <laughs> these last uh three or four months actually of my life have been some of the in in a personal respect in my in my you know personal life have been some of the, the most challenging and torrid and sad and whatever and um you know <laughs> Somebody was just telling me, yeah, but it's all been perfect. It's all been perfect. And I can see that, but I also think it's bullshit. So <laughs> um, what would you do differently? Come on, if you're doing it again, what would you do differently?
0: So in an ideal world where I'm taking a time machine or I'm transferring the experiences that I had now into 2014, Matt, what would I do differently? Hmm. Embrace the suck. Huh. Um, Jocko Willink has been a huge, a huge inspiration to me recently. Um, retired Navy SEAL commander has a private practice called Echelon Front. Um, his motto is discipline equals freedom. And since I exited the community, I also got into stoicism. Right. The obstacle is the way, Ryan Holiday, amazing book. And that has hit the core of me. I mean that that's where I operate from now. Right. And so Jocko talks about it all the time, you know, the seal saying, Embrace the suck. If you're not in the suck, you're probably not where you need to be. At least if you want to grow. Right. Uh, that's. I got into powerlifting 16 months ago. I'm putting up numbers that I never thought possible. But every time I go to work out, I think I want to be sitting down on my couch, my feet up, and a cold beer in hand. I don't want to be eating protein slop. I don't. I <laughs> and drinking water and tea. I want a burger. I want beer. and I don't want this heavy weight in my life. And in the same conversation i go yeah bring it i want it give it to me this is gonna suck the last few reps of this is gonna suck this whole session is gonna suck it's hot as hell i can't breathe this is awesome hmm. because next week i'm gonna do something that i couldn't do this week because i got into the suck love it, love it. and 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 a few years ago, that was not it. It would have been, how the hell can I NLP myself or 3P myself so that the suck doesn't exist? And if the suck existed, no, 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 no. We got to, let's, let's go to the drawing board.
1: Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So um, what's perhaps been the most wonderful thing about all of that training and being in those communities and all of that coaching experiences of the coaching profession.
0: I'll give you two. The people having met you, having met the little group that we, that we hung out with, I wouldn't, wouldn't replace that for anything. Um, the people in the community are just some of the most amazing people that are on the face of the planet. And some of the conversations we had during that time were just... it was pure magic, loved it. And the impact on how I live my life outside of this thing we call coaching. Like I said, I, I fundamentally see my world differently now than I did in 2010, 2011, 2012 because of what I invested in and what I tried to do and that that's invaluable. Uh, life is, is much richer and it, it's leading me to explore things and go to places in life I would have never attempted to do had I not gotten into it
1: so if we were to have a similar conversation in three years time Matt what what might we be talking about then do you think <laughs> I'm kind of just wondering and um you know there's I say that only half tongue-in-cheek really because I'm, I'm generally kind of wondering okay so what's next where where what what's what's uh, can you see that's on the road in front of you
0: It's a good question. Uh, It's a very good question because I remember being asked that question three years ago and thinking about where the path was heading compared to where it headed. Yeah, I would take those skills back and that's what I would apply had I been able to three years ago. But I do... I wouldn't change that path for anything. I really wouldn't. I mean this has been it's been a wild magic carpet ride and yeah, the results haven't been what part of me would have wanted, but that's kind of life, right um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be getting married in two weeks had my initial plans for my dating life worked out or what I had wanted initially worked out. And I wouldn't have had the experiences or gotten to work with the, the amazing people that I work have worked with and are working with right now had it gone sideways compared to where I wanted it to go. So prefacing it with all that, the ideal three years from now, man, I'd love to see the company that I'm working with grow and and be a player in the industry. Um, I, I, I love it. And we do some really weird and interesting things, and it's, it's a lot of fun. And I'd love to be a part of seeing that grow into a, a, a real player in the industry and be a part of that. And professionally, I'd still also love to even if it's small and when it happens, it happens. It's not a huge thing for me at the moment. I'd love to be working with business owners or business leaders and helping them get out of their own way because there's a beauty to the creativity of business that I've seen. Like I said, you don't, you don't, get to be successful in business if you're not having a, some kind of meaningful impact on someone's life. And I think there's a lot of people out there in business that genuinely want to do good and want to bring really interesting things out into the world, solve a lot of interesting problems, but they're not doing it particularly well or as well as they can be because they're, they're in their own way. And it's, it's impacting their life. It's impacting their potential customers' lives and it's impacting the lives of the people they can be employing. And they're all good people. And that's where I wanna where I'd like to work. That's where I'd like to spend the bulk of my time that I'm going to allot to this. How it plays out <laughs>
1: Oh no! <laughs> that whole piece, coming back yeah. to impacting people—what a beautiful yeah. uh, place to end up on, Matt. Thank you so much for taking the time out this morning. Um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, drop you a note or whatever, you, you happy for them to do that. How how might they do that?
0: You can send an email to matt at Cool.
1: Well, I'll include that in the in the show notes. Once again, Matt, let's not leave it quite so long before we speak again anyway. But thank you very much. I think there's a lot in this for for people out there. So thank you. Thank you, Phil. That was such a beautiful, heartfelt conversation. And I'm sure you will have been touched as I was listening to Matt share his story. Indeed, share his heart. I'm really not going to try and attempt to summarize and pick out any particular points out of that conversation any further. Um, I think it's definitely one that's worth listening to again. Matt really is someone very special. Uh, I thought that as soon as I met him, he indeed is always in in whatever he does. And uh, he quite likes an occasional English ale too, which is pretty damn good in my book. Okay, so thank you once again for listening to the Coaching Life podcast. Until next time, embrace the suck. As Matt said, I wish you much love and joy.